Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Survival Guide, your unofficiated uh, walkthrough of the monster manual of the D&D Wizards of the Coast 5th edition. I am your host, Zach. And we today we'll be going over the spooky rock lobster known as uh, Basilisk. Uh, here is your co-host, Anderson. Hi! And Shane. Hi. What up? <laughs> uh, that's what happens when Tevis is in here. Now here's Zach with the weather of lizards. Uh, as you can see behind me, we have a volcano about to explode. Uh, those are not magma rocks, but statues of adventurers um, who have looked at the basilisk. Um, as you can see, they are raining down. All right, this thing started for you. I thought I did a pretty good job. Yeah, that was good. It was yeah. good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I like that you said there was no officiant, which has also, which was also true during that moment. Hello and welcome back to Survival Check, your unofficial spooky guide to the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition monster manual. Like always, my name is Zach, and walking blindly with me into the Basilisk's lair is Shane and Anderson. Unfortunately, Tevis forgot his blindfold and was turned to stone before the episode could start, you know. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, shit. we had to leave him in the dungeon, but we oh, got the treasure. We're trying to hold on. <laughs> we have, like, one of those, like, um, <laughs> dollies, and we're pushing them around, but it's fine. Yeah. Um... Currently taking a that, long rest outside, hoping his statue's still there when we go back. Exactly. Um, on that note, what would be the most embarrassing thing you could be doing and then turned into stone at the same time? Like, what What could you be doing and then turned into stone that would be the most embarrassing statue? All right. PG or... Yeah, like... I mean, we fucking say fuck all the time. Just hit it with okay. whatever. So... What I would think would be the most embarrassing is you mid-shit. <laughs> because hear me out you and your flesh turned to stone not your shit that's halfway out of your anus that so when true. you petrify and it slides out eventually due to gravity you just have an <laughs> that is fair um, yeah i mean i immediately went to like shitting too like Craig, you can cut that out, so i just think like you know, everybody everybody does weird shit behind closed doors. Like, there's always that itch you gotta scratch, so you just scratch it. Like, imagine that's your moment. Like, you're, like, digging deep. Mid-tongue mid on your nut. Yeah. <laughs> digging deep. And, like, that's the next thing your parents see, is just a frozen version of you with, like, a three-hook in your bunghole, scratching it, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'd oh like to God. imagine the recording of this is just going to be one long. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I've just got really lazy with editing these too, so we'll see what stays and what doesn't, depending on how I'm feeling. Um, I think mid sneeze would be really fucking funny because, like, everyone sneezes. Like, I know when I sneeze, like one eye's like half closed, one's open. Like I'm making a face, like just and then frozen. Think about like stubbing my toe or like being really scared. <laughs> Like, if you stubbed your toe and you're like, <laughs> forever. <laughs> or, yeah, forever. Or if For you're really scared, you know, you, people might, I don't know, your parents would probably be really disappointed. <laughs> or maybe someone in your party was saying something really fucking stupid and you start rolling your eyes and that's when you get frozen. You're just like, and then frozen. <laughs> Permanently in sass mode. 
Um, so that would be an awesome way to go. That would be a super awesome way to go. You could, you, you I roll the bard, and then the, you're frozen, and then you just can always put that in front of the bard to remind them that. Um, Is that the next question? Best way to get basilisk. I mean, <laughs> good. Um, the best uh, way. Uh, the same thing guys... as League of Legends Solid Gold, motherfucker. <laughs> same concept. Uh, yes, so, for those who haven't figured it out, we are talking about the Basilisk tonight, which is the eight-legged lizard that turns you to stone. Real, um, not Harry Potter, it's not a snake. D&D, it is not a snake, it has eight legs. That makes it not a snake. I mean, there's all the reasons why it's not a snake, but that makes it not a snake. But yes, we are talking about the Basilisk. Best ways to be frozen, I think, sneezing. <laughs> best and worst best and worst <laughs> um i think that would be good um in the maybe like... dead, long leg freaky lizards <laughs> uh, speaking fly. of a paladin doing something cool yeah. or my character would probably be doing something stupidly cool but um but like jumping off a cliff and trying to stab the basilisk and being frozen midway oh that's that pretty would... lit or something. <laughs> pretty fucking awesome I see. Yeah, you would, like just cr- explode when you hit the ground but yeah you are doing something really admirable like standing in front of the gaze uh, as his teammates are all behind him watching him get turned to stone it's like just look away just just avert your gaze like for the team we know what quest we got we know what we're going after we are all wearing bandanas why aren't you (laughs) i'm not so hot with the memories Yes. All right. So, Basilisk. That is what we are talking about. This is, I feel like, another classic monster. Like, you can pretty much tell people, like, or say the word Basilisk, and people will know somewhat what it's about. I mean, there's Harry Potter that had appeared, which is a little bit different. Um, there's a bunch of Eastern mythology, um, Eastern European, I should say, and Greek myth where Basilisks appear. So, I feel like this is another classic one, um, and it has been around since first edition, which we will talk about. So let's start our show off like we always do. Um, prior knowledge, uh, what did, what did you guys know about the Basilisk before this episode? It's been around since first edition. It was in Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, cool. right. Based in reality, I've heard the word Basilisk. Be- I heard the word Basilisk long before I heard it in Harry Potter or D anD. d but I couldn't tell you Same, where. But I also don't think I saw any physical representation of a basilisk until Harry Potter. True. I would agree. And it's um, if you look back in like Eastern European lore and stuff, they kind of look more like a cockatrice. So they kind of look more like chickens huh. too. So it's like, I don't know. I, I, I honestly can't tell you after doing research if the Harry Potter basilisk is more true to form than the lizard. But I guess basilisk... Um, we can get into a basilisk means in Greek, I believe, um, some older language. It does mean king of lizards, king of serpents. Actually, I take that back. King of serpents. So maybe Harry Potter was right. I don't know. They probably maybe they yeah I, you know. Who knows? They pull from different places. Exactly. Um. So yeah, I also I, I heard of basilisk all growing up. The myths of um. Uh, people turning into stone. I mean, Medusa and Basilisks are very similar. So, like, he, I've all heard of them before. Um, let's talk about in-game. Has anyone ran or used them before? I don't think I have. I am Either. going to here in yes. the, next, the next few sessions of my Odyssey of the Dragon Lords campaign. Great adventure module if you're interested in a Greek-based game. But 
there is this, uh, an encounter where there are daily to weekly rituals to one of the gods of the world. The Lord of Storms is his name. <clears throat> and the way you offer sacrifices to the god in one of these cities is you tie up your sacrifice to a rock in the middle of the, one of the main rivers of the whole continent. And at night, basilisks will come down the river from the north and are uh, the harbingers of this god and will devour the sacrifices. And if the basilisks are not fed, then the god is displeased. So that'll, be, so that'll cool. be the encounter running for basilisks. And I'm pretty pumped about it. That's super cool. I like. I really like the scenario. Super heavy moral decisions. Do you free the sacrifice and anger the god, or do you let an innocent die? Damn. Yeah, I, that's cool. I mean, it makes sense too that like they're like featured heavily. Well, not heavily, but featured in a Greek type campaign. Seeing that. They yeah. in that. Um, no, I have never used them or ran them, but I enjoy like their kit. Yes, I mean. I, I've ran Medusas, which are pretty much the same mechanic. Um, yeah. I don't know if you remember that, Shane. We did that in the pirate campaign. Yeah, well, I remember. Yeah, we left behind a good friend of mine since he turned to stone, and we didn't have a way to change it back, so we just left him there. Yeah. Um, also resulted in the monk wearing a blindfold and fighting the Medusa in the yeah, dark. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember this now. Yeah. Who, wait, yeah. who got turned to stone? Uh, it was... Um, uh, NPC. It was the fighter Gen Genasi that was on the ship with you guys. I can't remember what his name was. Corn. Corn. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Corn. 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 No, it was Corn. Yeah, Corn got turned to stone. He, um, I can't remember why. And he had that legendary armor on him, and I was like, we should bring him with us. He's a cool guy. And yeah. also, I gave him this legendary armor. We should bring this too. I remember that off topic. <laughs> I remember that dungeon very like intensely because so you guys got up. You did. So many people did die in the party. I think three, three players. Cecilia died. died as well. Yeah, since Cecilia. Yeah. I think but three players died. <laughs> you guys met in a freedy and got the good outcome and were given a freedy armor. Instead yep. of anyone in the party taking it, we gave it to the NPC. You gave it to the NPC, who was immediately. <laughs> Yard ran into the lava. Yeah. Died. Oh, too good. Yeah. The fire giant pushed your character into the lava. Yeah, I got tackled into the fucking lava. That was horrific. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people fucking dying that dungeon. I missed that fire campaign. I remember just. That was fun. That was fun. It was uh, just being as brutal. The Avernus campaign kind of reminds me of it just because how brutal it is. But yeah, yeah and uh, how much lackluster we have for everything around us. Yes. Um, so, yeah, Basilisks, um, if you haven't looked at them or are still unaware of what they are, they are, like I said at the beginning of the episode, they are these um, lizards, um, they have eight legs, uh, spikes on them, and they are known mostly for their gaze, their eyes. If you look, if an adventurer or a traveler looks a Basilisk in its eyes, it will turn to stone. Um, you have to make a con save, but uh, lore-wise, um, they are known for that. So, let's talk about their history in Dungeons & Dragons, because, like I said, they have real-world origins that goes all the way back to the days of the Greek, um, with these, the King of the Serpents, this idea that uh, if you look at this creature in the eye, it turns to the stone. But, talking Dungeons & Dragons, they appeared in first edition, so that's 1977, 
Um, it's not really that big of a difference from the current version of the Basilisk we have to the first edition one. So um, the only differences I could find is that it that Basilisk in first edition could also turn creatures by just touching them. So it was their gaze, and if they like clawed you or anything, you could oh. start, start turning you into stone. Yeah. Um, it that's, was also that's terrifying. It is. It was also a bit smaller too. So uh, we have medium-sized basilisks in five B. On the the first edition, were a little bit smaller, and they looked more like a crocodile. They had like, if you look at the fifth edition artwork, it has a very like a guana almost look, like a very flat face, very rounded. Uh, the first edition basilisk like straight up had a crocodile mouth. It was long and had a big snout. It was really funny looking. I, oh, wow. I, I, I have a, a soft spot for first edition art. This is also great. Um, but yeah, first edition, pretty much the same. Um, being first edition, it was pretty much a higher con save. Actually, I actually don't even think there was a con save. I think it literally just said if you looked at it, you turned into stone. So, Damn. Yeah. Um, then we go to second edition, which um, adds some new things to the Basilisk. So... Second edition, uh, it gains poison breath and a poison slash, so it can exhale poison in a radius. Uh, also, if you get close enough, like ten feet away, you have to make some type of save because it says the its breath is so wretched. Um, but second edition also added the greater basilisk, which was a bigger version of the basilisk, a little bit stronger, a little bit tankier, and something that I wish was still around called the dracolisk, which oh was a basilisk which was very quick and had wings and it was like the size Damn. of a dragon so oh boy fun yeah that would be cool i'm noticing there's no like real variations right not really so carry on yeah. my, it's mind, my mind is turning yeah it's kind of something i like we've talked about and noticed like the older editions seem to have like either make the monsters stand out a little bit more or um give them a little bit different features or like varieties of them because mm-hmm. it just kind of like simplified all the monsters which it makes sense they want to be able to like you to turn your own put your own twist on it and like plug and play with it um because like you look for a basilisk you have a few choices um so second edition uh like i said they added the greater basilisk the dracolisk um third edition both of them go away um but they are considered beasts in third edition and second edition um, which is something we saw also with the Ankeg, is that earlier editions, they're considered beasts, and fifth edition, they're considered monstrosities, so they make that change just like the Ankeg. Um, and then third edition comes around. Um, through, no, the third edition was beast. I should say 3.5 comes around, which is a variation of third edition. It's like between third and fifth edition, fourth edition. Um, we add the Abyssal Greater Basilisk, which was a basilisk that was known to hunt on the plains of the Abyss. So it's a very mm-hmm. demonic type of basilisk, which is pretty cool. It's a little bit bigger, a little bit tougher, um, a little bit more gnarly, which is, is cool. Um, then from there, we go to 4th edition. And like 4th edition, we've seen before with the Azer and the animated objects. We get a wide variety of basilisks, which is so cool. So you have your standard basilisk that can turn you into stone. They also add a venomide basilisk that leaks this green poison out of its eyes that will poison you. It has a mesmeric 
Eyed Basilisk, which will hypnotize you. They have a Wilt Eye Basilisk, which will steal your life force if you look it in its eye. And my favorite one, they bring back the Abyssal Basilisk, but instead of turning you into a stone, if you look it in its mind, eye, it, it kind of like Ghost Riders to you. Like It causes the madness of the Abyss to consume you and your soul. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, so 4th edition, you have a lot of Basilisks to, to like really mess with and try out. So you have the normal one turned to stone, you have one that can poison you, one that can mesmerize you, one that can steal your life force, and one that can cause you to see the madness of the abyss. Again, this is another thing I'm going to say. I all the fourth edition monsters are all are so cool. Like, yeah, that's awesome. I love again. I love that they have so much variation. Yeah, which really makes me hope that we do get like a monster manual too in fifth edition, where maybe they could explore with variations a little bit more and give us some of these older. Um, yeah. But yeah, the good thing about the basilisks in fifth edition is it's pretty easy to change the petrifying gaze to like venomite or mesmeric or like well yeah. um, Just change what the condition is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's easy. So I think I'm actually probably gonna do that when I run these. These are cool. Yep. So as I was saying, that it was the recap from uh, first edition to fifth edition. We don't really see that much variation uh, with the basic basilisk. Uh, it can always petrify you um we do get some variation like the dracolix and the venomide and all that stuff throughout the history but those all disappear when we get to fifth edition so if we're talking about base fifth edition basilisks nothing really changes um but let's talk about the current lore of the basilisks so um they're yeah let's talk about them this is page 24 in the monster manual uh i think this little excerpt at the top of the page is really funny so it says, no one carves statues of frightened warriors. If you see one, keep your eyes closed and your ears open. X, the mystic's fourth rule of dungeon survival. <laughs> X, the mystic. This yeah. guy has seen some shit, including but not limited to statues of frightened warriors. <laughs> and probably basilisks. <laughs> Just think of that. Like, he's just, like, walking through a cave, and it's like, oh, that's a statue. Oh, that guy's terrified. Oh, wait, that's another terrified statue. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> Pretty much. So begs the question, what are the first three rules of dungeon survival? And where is X now? Yeah. I- <laughs> Good question. Um, But, yeah, I think that kind of tells you what a basilisk is. Um, they, they're, they're known lore they're not like mind flayers or anything that are like different like adventurers and travelers and stuff know about basilisks so in fifth edition um you also like the first sentence so this is the first sentence of the basilisk lore travelers sometimes find objects that look like pieces of remarkably lifelike stone carvings of wildlife missing parts appear to be bitten off Seasoned explorers regard such relics as warnings, knowing that the basilisk that created them is likely to be nearby. So, I mean, that's just base basilisk, like in all their origins, all their lores, all their editions. That's it. Like, um, well, okay. So in fifth edition, they do have a new piece of lore that says that when basilisks eat stone, like their stone statues that they create, like it turns back into flesh as they eat it. That is something in fifth edition that was not in the other editions. So, like, they can eat a statue, like an arm or something. It would be stone until it gets into their throat and digestive system, and then it turns back to flesh, which nice. is interesting. So their rancid breath probably stuck around. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Um, we also uh, they're also considered adaptable predators. Um, so they thrive in arid temperature or tropical climates. Uh, they're lay they have layers in caves and other sheltered areas. Um, and they're most of the time encountered underground. But it seems like they can really be anywhere, which is cool. You can flavor them maybe with, like different colors. Like in the desert, they're like orange. Maybe if they're like in yeah. the snowy regions, they're like more like white-ish um, tinted. Um, but something going with adaptable predators, which is a cool piece of information they added that I'm glad they added in fifth edition, says a basilisk born and raised in captivity can be domesticated and trained. Such a trained basilisk knows how to avoid the avoid meeting the eyes of those its master wishes to protect from its gaze, but it makes a daunting guard. But it makes a daunting guardian beast. Because of this use, basilisk eggs are highly prized. So it says, like, you can train them and, like, That's have them sweet. as guardians. That'd be so cool. Could you um, imagine giving one to your party at, like, level one? Like a basilisk egg, have it hatch at level three? Ooh, that would be super cool. Or, like, give them a mysterious egg and don't let them know it's a basilisk. Yeah, I think it's a dragon egg and it just hatches a, a fucking basilisk. Yeah. <laughs> um, And then the last thing is gaze of stone, something we've been talking about. Um... Basilisks are ponderous for hunting creatures, but they needn't chase prey. Uh, that this uh, that's actually a point that I didn't bring about the earlier editions. The, whole, the earlier editions dunk on this creature a lot for being really lazy. Okay, <laughs> it makes sense. Like you just have to look at your prey in the eyes, and then it's like they turn to stone. It's like, eh, okay. Um. So, but back to the case of stone. Uh, meeting a basilisk's supernatural gaze can be enough to affect a rapid transformation, transforming a victim into porous stone. A basilisk with their strong jaws are able to consume the stone. The stone returns to organic form in the basilisk's gullet. So, so the last paragraph states that some alchemists are said to know how to process the basilisk's gullet and the fluids contained within them. Properly handled, the gullet produces an oil that can return petrified creatures to flesh and life. Unfortunately for such a victim, any parts lost in the stone form uh, remain absent if the creature revives. Revivification using the oil is impossible if a vital part of the petrified creature, such as a head, is detached. And I love that paragraph. That's just like, if you bring your, like, let's say, fighter back, but, like, you're trying to get him out of the cave, you have to push him and their arm falls off. It's like oh, uh, I would so let like my group try to bring back someone who has like a chunk of their torso ripped out and then just have them die in an agonizing death within like 30 <laughs> seconds. And like you did that to them. They could have yeah, died absolutely. in that statue and you ruined them. Yeah, exactly. Which is funny. Um like what so what if you take what if there's one statue that doesn't have a head, but there's another head laying on the ground and you put it on that statue? Like <laughs> it, I would say the bomb would only work on one individual piece. That's fair. Because the statue's not connected. I have a question, Anderson. But it'd be fun if you made a Frankenstein. I have an answer, Shane. If the party brings back their party mate who has a hole in their chest and they turn him back into not stone and it's like, do they take the merciful way and execute their friend? Or did they already forego the merciful thing by turning him not from stone well i would say in in my opinion that if a creature is turned to stone they're stone through and through including their brain and everything so that they would be considered dead at that point to bring them back would be 
inhumane if they were missing a vital organ, right? Because the, the text states that when they consume the stone, it then reverts to flesh in their stomach. And as it also states, the, the fluids in the gullet are what brings it back to life. So without that interaction, those stay stoned forever. So I'd either leave the statue in honor of them and or shatter it. Yeah, I think the stone being turned to stone is the merciful thing. Turning them back could be really terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty instant death also, I think. Yeah, for the most part. I just think, like, if that happened to me and my team was, like, dollying me back to home base and, like, my whole, like, left arm fell off and then my right arm fell off, like... Just bring back. Yeah, Don't just bring toss, toss me in a dumpster or something. I take that back. It is not a quick painless death because you have to make a couple con saves. <laughs> like, like 18 seconds of con saves. Like, ah! Pretty much. Yeah, it's like at least a 6 second, 12 second uh, process. So you're just watching yourself turn this on, which is horrific, actually. That is not a painless death. Um, you have time to say your last goodbyes. Yeah, and, and make a cool pose, I guess. Um, but yeah, that, that's the lore of the basilisks. They're pretty simple, um, for what they are. Uh, so let's, yeah, let's jump into the second part and talk about the monster stat block. What do you guys see on here that most pops out? Obviously, this petrifying gaze. They don't speak common. They don't speak common, correct. They are, they don't speak any languages, actually, because yeah. they are being monstrosities. They are slow skis. They are very they are. slow. They are very slow. Which, like, uh, I'm not going to pull the first edition move and, like, curb stomp these guys' self-esteem or anything, but they are kind of slow. They really are. I mean, it, which goes back to, like, the other editions calling them lazy. It's less, <laughs> like... Um, also, I think, like, third edition says, like, uh, they won't chase you if you run away. Or it was, like, at best, they'll give you, like, a half chase. Because they're lazy. <laughs> They'll just so, walk after you, like you'll stop eventually, maybe. Yeah, exactly. They're like they're just chilling, and also like they eat rocks and just they have a lot of legs, and I just feel like they're chonkers. Yeah, they're chonkers. They are pretty stout. Like if you look at that second set of legs in the art, yeah. that's a that is a thick thigh. That is, um, and going with the set block, they also have a decent amount of hit points. They have a uh, fifty-two, so that is a yeah. little bit less than the banshee. Um, which is CR4, so this is a CR3 monster. It has 15 natural armor, which is a kind of high natural armor rating, so without armor, 15, that's decent. Um, its speed is 20, it is slow. It is pretty high strength and con. Uh, the rest of its stats are not great at all. Um, yeah, everything's a negative except strengths of plus 3 and cons of plus 2. Yeah, also... Not smart as a two in intelligence. I do like that they're unaligned. They they actually are just big chilling. They really are. <laughs> they, the they're, they're probably not bothering anybody. No, they're just monstrosities. Which I I get like monstrosities. We're finding out that it's like magical beasts. That's what monstrosities pretty much are. But like they are very beast like. Like they are just there to mm -hmm. eat. They don't have vendettas or want vengeance. Mm -hmm. or, they make me think of uh, the dinosaur with the large tail, with the with the uh, it's got like oh, a yeah. spike ball at the end. It kind of walks on yep. I think it is the stegosaurus. Yeah, and that's what it reminds me. No, no, I don't think. Oh, are you talking about the one with the, like the fins on the tail, like the the fins of the, the actual wham, like wham, spike? Wham. The actual like spike ball, and it's kind of like a turtle almost. Yeah, it's not a stegosaurus. 
I'm looking at Oh, the Stegotaurus is the one with all those spikes. Yeah, the spines on its back. Yeah, 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 the fins. Alright, well, you're here for Dungeons and Dragons. Not An- Ankylosaurus. <laughs> Ankylosaurus, yeah. An- okay, so, yeah. Uh, Wouldn't that be when the, the dinosaur? When we get to the Dan- dinosaur episode. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but just visually speaking, like they kind of lumber around. They probably don't do a whole lot, but like if you mess with them, they they could tear you up. But in place of a giant ball tail, they have a, a petrifying gaze. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, and then like they don't speak any languages. They have dark vision out of 60 feet. Um, that really goes with them being underground creatures, cave creatures. Um, Passive perception of nine. Yeah, they aren't that perceptive. Those guys really, really are big chilling. Big chilling. Which I mean makes sense. Straight up chilling. They they probably got a tummy full of rocks and they don't give a shit. Like, who's who's gonna be like, who are they gonna be prey to? Yeah, so and like, like and like, you, let's say you roll up to a basilisk, basilisk lair. They all like all their like eggs are right there. They'll just look over you like, huh? <laughs> Try it. Walk exactly. up. Walk up. <laughs> um. Yeah. So these are guys are just straight chilling. Um. Before we get into the petrifying gaze, uh, they have one action, and that is their bite, which does two d six piercing and two d six poison. So it's a decent bite. Um kind of going back to it having poisonous breath and stuff. Um, it's plus five to hit. That's about it. Um, so the last thing is petrifying gaze. So if a creature starts its turn within 30 feet of the basilisk and two of them, the two of them can see each other, the basilisk can force the creature to make a DC 12 con saving throw if the basilisk isn't incapacitated. On a failed save, the creature magically begins to turn to stone and is restrained. It must repeat the saving throw at the end of its next turn. On a success, the effect ends. On a failure, the creature is petrified until freed by the Greater Restoration spell or other magic. Um, and then Damn. it goes on to say that a creature that isn't surprised can avert its eyes to it's avert its eyes to avoid the saving throw at the start of its turn. If it does so, it can see it can't see the basilisk until the start of its next turn when it can avert its eyes again. If you look at the basilisk, basilisk in the meantime, it must immediately make the save. Um, but then it finishes it all, rounds it all off. with the ba- If the basilisk sees its reflection within 30 feet of it in bright light, it mistakes itself for a rival and targets itself with its gaze. Nice. Yeah. Nice tidbit they threw in there. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like that. So... Again, I, I like like the exorcism with the Banshee in the earlier editions. I like when they throw that in because it gives your party something to research and kind of like go maybe yeah. talk to the monster guy, like look through books and stuff and be like, okay, we have to go hunt a basilisk or like we figured out what it we're hunting. So let's yeah, and make like a nature out. survival check while studying him up. Yeah, and it's something straight like and it's or something. You'll get that. Yeah, and it's something straight and it's a stat block that like you can pull out and be like, oh, you know the adventure X. The mystic says, oh, "This is how you defeat a basilisk." Speaking um, of, I got his rules open right here. Oh, do you? What are <laughs> they? Uh, rule number one: trust the flump. Rule number two: before you drink from a fountain or pool, toss a copper coin in it. It's a small price to pay for your life. Rule number three: sometimes a chest is just a, te- a chest, but don't bet on it. Four, frightened warriors. Five. 
Keep a few gems in your pocket. A hungry Zorn is a helpful Zorn. And wait, there is no five. That was six. Seven. Before opening a sarcophagus, light a torch. Nice. I wonder if number two is because the water is an ooze. Uh, it is in reference to water elementals and water beards. Oh, that makes sense too. Okay. Um, which are killers. So, yeah. So, Petrifying Gaze, that is what they're known for. That is what, if you're using a Basilisk, that is what the point of using them is for. <laughs> like, um, they aren't really spectacular. I mean, the Free by Greater Restoration spell or other magic, that is a high-ass spell. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah. <laughs> for CR3, you have a party member turned to stone. That's pretty much just death for them. Yeah. Unless you go out and like like I should say the parties means it's pretty much death. You can still go and like try to find like story wise, go to a town, maybe find some of this balm to um get them um fixed or like find an alchemist or something. But like in a cave, lowish, middle-ish level parties, you get turned to stone, you're just you're stoned. Yep. That's it. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um what makes it weak is its movement speed, its lower stats. Also, um, the second paragraph says a creature that isn't surprised can avert its eyes, which is like a big thing. But like, basilisks have minus one in dex. So, like, it would have to be a really lucky and sneaky basilisk to get a surprise round, yeah. I feel. Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> it would have to get super lucky um with its dice rolls. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh anyone have anything else to say about its stat block before we move on? No. I don't think All so. Right. Pretty, pretty average crafts and block. Yeah. So let's move into part three. So this is the last part of our episodes for those who are new. Um in here we will be talking about how we would use them in our own game and by that we will be exploring the three different tiers of Dungeons and Dragons. So Dungeons and Dragons is brought um uh, is pretty much put together with social encounters, exploration and combat encounters. So we will be talking about social, exploration, combat and then we will be ending it all with putting your spin on the creature and then we will end it and get out of here. So Let's talk about social. How would you use these creatures in an adventure or a story? And what would happen if you ran into them? Um, I guess, like, usually this is in reference to, like, how you would interact or be diplomatic with it. I don't think that's an option here. Um, Guard dogs for the rich. Oh, absolutely. I think. Or even, like, the wizard. You could definitely use them if you didn't want to use them in a cave scenario. Maybe, like, you have a quest. you Maybe you get a quest from a wizard, and that's to take out the other wizard. And um, they do have, like, basilisk guard dogs that you mm-hmm. have. That could be a social encounter. That could be something you could try to, like, throw meat to the basilisk or try to convince it somehow that you are its masters. Because these things, intelligence really are pretty low. That'd be a, yeah. that'd be a cool encounter. Um, you can also explore the statue part of the basilisks, like... X's advice is like definitely throw in some statues and stuff so the party can look at and talk about first. Being like, oh, that's a cool, really cool statue. Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another. Yeah, I was gonna say I like the ideas of the statue kind of speaking for the basilisk. 
Maybe it's no. like deep, deep down in a cave and it hasn't fed on any of these early on statues that are here because adventurers of all sorts just keep popping into its base. So it just keeps eating there and it never has to leave. So as you kind of are that adventure making your way through, you get to kind of speak to the history of the basilisk as you see, like perhaps how it claimed this cave. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Kind of like showing the different petrified animals and creatures and stuff. Yeah. It gets to, um, socially, I think it would also be cool if, um, um, it'd be really cool if, like, maybe, like, a Durgar, which are these, like, pretty much the drow equivalent of dwarves, or even drow, um, or really gnomes that live in caves and stuff. Maybe this society has adapted to not having eyesight, or they are all blind, and they use basilisks as mounts. Um, that'd Man, be cool. you took my fucking idea. I was going <laughs> to bring it up in exploration. Oh, my bad. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it would be cool, maybe, because there's a lot of uh, civilizations in Dungeons & Dragons that do live underground or away from the sun that you could definitely um, have some type of collusion, collision some um, between a basilisk and these type of civil- civilizations, which would not really make this a social encounter with the basilisk, but more with those civilizations. Um, yeah. And I mean, we talked a little bit about how having them be guard dogs and stuff, that could also be a social thing. Like, you are trying to convince the rich noble not to sick its basilisks on you while you're trying to sneak through its courtyard and you get caught. Um, Yeah. Anything else on social? Not social. All right, let's go to exploration. Anderson, take it away. (laughs) All right. You got a Duragar city in the Underdark. The kind of like a ant hive colony built, right? Multi-layered vertically. Mm-hmm. You got tunnels that are like maybe I don't know, eight feet by eight feet, or like eight foot uh, diameter, maybe ten to twelve. And you have these like carriages, right? And they have four wheels, but instead of two in the front, two in the back, there's one on each edge of the box. And it grabs onto all walls of the tunnel, and you have four basilisks. And due to their big, meaty claws and their high strength, two of them climb on the ceiling, two of them climb on the floor of this tunnel, and they move vertically up and down these tunnels and pull apart oh, cool. behind them. That'd be you awesome. Could, you, you could take a basilisk carriage through the Underdark. That'd be sweet. That'd be so cool. Um, yeah, and for exploration, we talked about like the statues and caves and stuff. I think. You could even, like, amplify that. Like, what if you went into a town that kind of looks like Pompeii because all the townsfolk have been petrified and turned into stone? And that could even go with, like, the evil wizard subplot. Maybe, like, an evil wizard released a bunch of basilisks or summed a bunch of basilisks into a town that did wrong. So you could also tell the story, um, kind of like you were talking about Shane and social. You could tell the story of this town almost like Pompeii, like, Everyone was frozen in time pretty much when Pompeii went off. Um, <laughs> you could really freeze a bunch of people in stone, kind of showing them trying to escape the basilisk or them doing a, like, a normal day. It could be a really eerie place to explore. Yeah, it's just a place frozen in time by basilisks and their yeah. masters. Absolutely. I, maybe I'm just a shill for jungle settings, but I love the idea of like, 
some tribe of elves that somehow managed to get their hands on something like this, maybe from like a nearby mountainside or something. They found it in the caves and they rather than using them as like a mount, they would use them more like the, the guard dog scenario. But or I guess like mounts too, and they could ride them around and this jungle is just littered with different statues of adventurers or predators or something like that, but like yeah. elven people live kind of like in a peaceful area where they use basilisks to ward off intruders. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I like that. I I think like um, it says adaptable predators um, in fifth edition. Uh, so it says it can really thrive in any climate, which is really interesting. Um, I, I also like the idea of there being desert basilisks and maybe your party is making their way across the deserts and the sand dunes and sand uh, um, what sand sharks. Uh, well, I, I was the, the Pokemon sand, sand true, sand true. Yeah. <laughs> sand, so sand slash sand, sand shark. I guess sand shark. that's what I was thinking of this thing, like going through sand dunes. Anyway, yes. But uh, I was saying, like, as you go through the desert, maybe, like, a mighty wind blows through, and you, like, begin to see, like, these little rocks, like, the top of heads pop up, and you're like, oh, maybe this is, like, the Terracotta Army or something, and um, as, like, you begin um, pushing away the sand, or even it could be, like, um, an archaeological space where people are like, oh, look at all these cool statues that were created a long, long ago to, like, honor the older civilizations, and you slowly begin realizing that these statues are terrified um and th- these are basilisks and you reveal the demi basilisk the demi bas the basilich the basilich that's it <laughs> the basilich oh my god that'd be terrifying oh, well, on that note, give your lich basilisk guys <laughs> well on that note we were talking about like variations and stuff i know we haven't yeah. really reached that point but it, on the note of exploration like you had mentioned we had mentioned uh dracolisks yes like that could be a cool like let's just throw them in any environment right some mountainside society has found a way to tame some sort of like flying basilisks basilisks the 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 dracolisks yeah dracolisks and and that's how they explore like the skies and stuff people think there's like hippogriffs and stuff in the sky but it's actually uh basilisks people that would be awesome absolutely i think yeah you could definitely reflavor a dragon into the dracolisk maybe yeah just give it the petrifying gaze or maybe give it like a petrifying breath attack or something just give it six more limbs just give it exactly (laughs) give it a six legs um eight legs actually um yeah so exploration you could really put them anywhere you could put them in the snow you could put them in the sand you can make a town you could even do an entire city Uh, i'm thinking of like um this new alien movie that came out alien covenant um that city that they go to that's kind of like been taken over by the aliens and prometheus people and stuff through an entire city uh maybe a forgotten ruin underground or above ground and like kind of like taking what i said with the town and making it bigger just everything petrified and telling a story through that um yeah they're they're like simple beasts but like you can really you can really make the environment interesting um mm-hmm. and on that note let's about combat so these things are monstrosities beasts they're not going to be using the most intelligent combat they're probably going to try to turn you into stone and eat you i already made my encounter and told you guys at the beginning of the session but 
Yeah, I'm not sure that yeah. self-preservation is necessarily near the top of the list for these things. Right, because like it is whatever. Um, you could make the battle map interesting by using statues of adventurers who have been turned into statues as like difficult terrain, or mm -hmm. use them to maybe like have the party dot jump between statue and statue, hiding behind yeah um, them to avoid the gaze of it. Um, I also, think a vertical map would be really cool with basilisks. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you get turned to stone, you just fall off. Yeah, which is brutal. Um, you, what was I gonna say? It's also it's an interesting fight because if your party knows that you're going in against a basilisk, they probably have a mirror, so they're gonna try to do that. But like, if you run across one and you don't have a mirror, um, like I said in the beginning, I had a monk fight a Medusa by blindfolding themselves. Like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of disadvantage attacks going on here because you're not gonna be looking at it. So. That's kind of like part of what makes their AC even better and their hit points. Like it's average, but like if your party is fighting this without looking at it and doesn't have a mirror, pretty much every attack is going to be at disadvantage, unless yeah. you're reckless or something. So and with the 15 AC, that's hard to hit. Yeah, especially with disadvantage. And I mean, it's an interesting fight too because like um, if you are playing online, you could even use like if you're using like roll 20 or the forge or anything like that you could play with lighting and um how far tokens can see like you could like if everyone's going in blind in this fight give them like a five foot radius they can see around him um which could make it more interactive and if you're playing at home just maybe if everyone in the party chooses to not look at the basilisk when the basilisk moves like move it on the map but don't keep the token there just remember where it is mm. So, like, you can't really use that strategy. You can really get interactive with it. Um, I like doing that kind of stuff. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and if you wanted to run these and you are a little bit more forgiving of a DM, which there's nothing wrong with that, you could even throw a greater restoration spell scroll somewhere in the fight. <laughs> it's not something I would do. I'd but... say you could take it to, like, a temple. Yeah. You know, and they'd be able to offer their services for a fee. Yeah, and absolutely. You like should be able to do that, especially if you're playing like Forgotten Realms. If you're, if you're really passionate about the Basilisk, you could just throw on the scroll like a, like a like a session or two beforehand, and just bank on the fact that they'll hang on to it. And if they don't, well, I mean, they'll always just kind of shrug and go to a temple, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. You could just give him Tom Riddle's notebook. Exactly. It'll <laughs> take him right to the Basilisk, basilisk lair. If you wanted to run a Harry Potter TV one-shot, here is one creature that's in there you could use. <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of Harry Potter, but if someone wants to run that, boom. That's you could reflavor it that way, but it seems a bit humane to cut all eight of this thing's legs off. Speed <laughs> <laughs> though, even if you took all its legs off and made it a snake. Yeah. I'd say it had more movement speed at that point. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, so combat pretty much is just going to be dealing with the petrifying gaze. It is a cool tactical fight. It is um something mm -hmm. you're going to throw in and it makes your party have to think because this you can't just run at it, even though some people in your party, yeah. party probably will. Um, you can't run at it. So You know what's interesting about the Basilisk is looking at the art of it, its eyes are on the front of its head, which indicates that it's a hunter, not a not like a not prey, right? Right. 
So I would maybe even argue if you flanked it, you could have advantage on the con saving throw. Ooh, that's fair. That's fair. You could definitely do something like that. Um, yeah. So that was social exploration combat. Let's get to the last part, which is putting your own spin on the creature. How would we take these creatures as they are and make them our own? I think I kind of already mentioned it, but I, I it seems like I've done this with creatures in the past is like kind of combining a bunch of things from previous editions, but I love the idea of giving this thing other features and things that it can do, um, like wings and a minor fly speed, and you know maybe uh, yeah. maybe you do take its legs and and turn it into some kind of snake or or even like a sea serpent where it's a little bit more proficient in the water or something. I think being that it is the uh, adaptable predator that it is, you can kind of toss it anywhere and put your own spin on it with a lot of stuff like that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I, I really like how 4th um, Edition gave you a variety. I would really love to see the Basilisks and, like, the first layer of Hell or the Abyss and how they would look there. Um, yeah. Or even, like, underwater Basilisks would be cool. Especially yeah. because they, they originally resembled something a little bit more aquatic. Mm-hmm. Um, to drastically change these, I think it would be cool if you took its stat block, kind of removed the lizard part of it, and maybe made this, like, plague that was going through a town which turned like people into stone zombies and just like keep the stat block um, except like make it instead of them turning into the stone they could turn into like stone zombies and like that's how the plague gets passed around is by looking at someone with the ailment in it um, you could also turn the bite to like a slam attack Yeah, you can make that. them like a corrupted nymph almost and then they make yeah. ash zombies Ooh, yeah, absolutely. I think the petrifying gaze, you can really throw in a lot of things. Like mm-hmm. the Dracolisk, uh, you can make a dragon have a petrifying gaze and petrifying mm-hmm. rat. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, That's something I, I neglected to mention in the when we asked if we had used these before. I had never used the creature itself, but I have used petrifying gaze as like a trap card. It never got activated. Right. It, it was there for the taking. I do enjoy particular things about its stat block that I would pluck and play, like the petrifying gaze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could even, if you wanted to take that off the creature, you can make it a trap. You can maybe make like um, a wall that looks like a basilisk, that if you pull something, two gems go off and it turns you into stone. So, yeah. that. You could somehow like... weaponize this basilisk. Somehow. I don't know how, but... Oh, yeah. Science fiction-y, like, maybe someone has just rigged up, like, a a bunch of basilisk heads to stay alive, and they use them... Oh, again. God, just a wall of basilisk heads? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, like, I was thinking even more, like, science fiction-y, like, they've found a way to turn it into, like... They found a way to weaponize it, like, you take a basilisk head and you put it in a missile... And you shoot it at an enemy spaceship, and now that spaceship is stone in space. That, yeah, <laughs> that is a gnarly idea. Absolutely, yeah. I like the idea of reskinning it to like fit the environment with its um adaptable predator tr- uh comment. Yeah. Yes. Going back to the underdark idea, um, like 
to make it almost like super like terrifying to an extent like you can make its legs like two of its legs or maybe four of its legs be on its back so it can crawl through the tunnels in the three-dimensional um aspect and like um give it like a bigger mouth and have like the eyes be like in the mouth so like opens its mouth to look at you and you don't think that it's a basilisk because they're not there and as soon as it opens its maw it's almost too late you know, some terrifying other... creature grabbing onto all surfaces, just coming at you like just like a worm with legs, and then yeah, you know what would be a crazy combination if if some mad scientist, mad artificer, mad wizard took a basilisk's eyes and replaced the beholder's eyes with it. You wouldn't have the beams or stuff still, but like just like all these stocks, just like jeez, why would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> Why would they be? I'm ready for beholders, but no, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, I think they're cool. I think there's like a couple. I think there's the cockatrice and the medusa that also turn people to stone. But like basilisks, like I said, are pretty. Yeah. No, I really creepy. like how the block is really empty to be used how you want. Absolutely, that and is, it, and it's not lackluster though. You know, like you got the one defining feature that has so many mechanics behind it, but you can add so much more to this. Like, all they have is a bite attack. It's like, I'm looking at eight fucking claws right here. No claw yeah. attack? Nothing. Like, you have so much room to work with on this bad boy. You really do. I think that is, like, the power of the 5th edition monster manual is, like, the other editions do have a little bit more spectacular creatures, a little bit more variety. But I think 5th edition really did a good job at keeping the stat blocks somewhat easy to use and take and turn into your own. I think that is, like, worth 5e shines compared to the other ones. Let's get out of here, as always. That was the Basilisk. Um, thank you guys all for listening. Next week, we get to talk about the dragon killers themselves. We get to talk about the Bahir, which are cool. They're these large lizards on our Lizard Week 2. Um, large lizards that were... Cre- Wait, let me. I can rhyme this. Large lizards created by wizards to gizzard the... Gizzards, the dragons. Ah, that doesn't make sense. But anyway, we're talking about Behirs. They're created to kill dragons. They're cool. They're awesome. They're one of my favorite monsters. And that'll be next week. But anyway, let's plug some social medias. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Shane? You can catch me live at twitch.tv slash bringtheshane and also on Twitter slash bringtheshane. I am a variety stream and I love to meet new people and hang out. Please, please come hang out. Please. I'm not a Minecraft streamer. I'm not a Minecraft streamer. Definitely not a Minecraft streamer. I'm just a cool guy. All right, Anderson. Uh, I play D&D live every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash 20 or die, 20-O-R-D-I-E. Uh, we are currently playing that Greek setting that I've been talking about these past few weeks, and it's been a lot of fun. And coming up here in these next few weeks, I'm going to be uploading a Icewind Dale campaign to this channel, which will be oh, really yeah. cool. It's not going to be live. It's just going to be the recordings, and we'll see how that goes. So join us in the icy tundras of the north above the spine of the world. Hell yeah. I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see what that campaign is like. Um, I'm pretty pumped so for it. Be checking in that. Um, you can find my personal stuff at twitch.tv slash farmgoat. Um, I'm also a variety streamer. I play more horror stuff, though. I've been playing a lot of Sea of Thieves, and I also am going to start 
starting next month, I'm going to start being trying to get groups of streamers together to play different role playing games that I have on my shelf that I need to finish. So I am aiming for um, either mid um, next month or the beginning of next month to start a Vason um, run. So that'll probably be uploaded onto our survival check YouTube also as, but you can find me there on Thursdays doing tabletop role playing games. Um, and for the show, as always, you can find us at Twitter at Survival Check. You can find our Instagram at Survival Check Show. You can find our YouTube at the DM Survival Guide. You'll find a playlist called Survival Check. That's where all these episodes are posted. And our SoundCloud is also Survival Check. Still trying to figure out how to get all the stuff onto podcast apps, but that will as soon as that happens, I'll post about it on Twitter. Um, but yeah, that's it. Does any? I think that's all the plugs. Uh, I don't know. If, Tevis oh, you can catch Tevis at twitch.tv slash Tevisar. That's two S's and two R's. T-E-V-I-S-S-A-U-R-R. Yes. If he's not stoned, you will see him playing Divinity Original Sin or Stardew Valley with his girlfriend. So Who is real. He meant turn to stone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, that is Survival Check. That is our show on the Basilisks. I hope Thanks it made sense. Thanks for tuning in, as always. You guys are awesome. I hope you can use this information to enhance your game or... Yeah, as always, yeah. Just be excellent to each other. Peace! Bye!